I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10-3. This Sunday, buglers or trumpeters will stand stoically at ceremonies across the country, and their instrument's clarion call will usher in two moments of silence. The plaintive notes of the last post will resonate in the hearts and minds of those paying tribute to all soldiers who have lost their lives in service of our country. Today, we look at the origins of that familiar Remembrance Day melody and why it is so important. It's Friday, November 9th. Bruce Deachman is a reporter with the Ottawa Citizen. So, Bruce, the last post is a piece of music firmly associated for Canadians with somber occasions, military funerals or Remembrance Day ceremonies, but it wasn't its original intention. So how did you come to want to look into this history? It originally started last August by the, uh, there was a man named Lloyd Maxwell who, he was 65 years old from Cape Breton and, but for the um, uh, Salvation Army would have been homeless and he died uh, last August and uh, there was a funeral at Beechwood Cemetery here in Ottawa and uh, he had been a reservist uh, for two years, 1969 to 1971 with the Black Watch and I went to his funeral to to write about it and uh, there were only 10 people in attendance and none of them knew Lloyd. Uh, they were all with Vets Canada, a national nonprofit organization that helps vets in crisis and um, so the, there was a ceremony, and it was it was very short. It was about six and a half minutes. And when it was over, I could hear from a different part of the cemetery a bugler playing the last post. And I just thought, oh, that's really touching. Um, you know, in some ways, it's too bad that it's not for Lloyd Maxwell. And I included that in my story. And the bugler who was playing for a different funeral, um, his name's Charles Armstrong, he wrote a letter to the editor and said, when I play, I play for all the soldiers. So while I did not know that Lloyd Maxwell was being buried, I was playing for him. And that's what sort of made me want to find more about this song. I mean, it is a song that you recognize when you hear those first two notes. It's a, a C and a G, and you know what that song is. And I just thought it'd be interesting to find out more about it. What was the origin of this bit of music? The uh, the last post was one of hundreds of uh, infantry bugle calls with the British Army. Uh, and this particular piece was written in the 1790s, but it... Uh, uh, the bugle calls would tell soldiers who didn't have watches uh, when to do everything in their day, when to wake up, when to fall in for inspection, when it was time to eat, when it was time to go to church, uh, when it was time to get their mail, their pay. It told them everything about their day, when to go to bed, when to turn the lights out. And on the field of battle, it also was used to tell soldiers there what to do, when to go forward, right, left, when to shoot, when to stop shooting, when to lie down, that sort of thing. Hmm. And so the last post literally means like the last posting of the day? The last post meant um, at the end of the day, they would go around and check all the sentry posts. And there was a uh, tune that they played for the first post that they inspected. And then when they inspected the final post, they would play the last post. And what that meant was the camp is secure. It's uh, time to call it a day. There was only one call after that, and that was lights out. Okay. And... For Canadians, it's kind of cemented in their minds that it's kind of a symbol of the toll of war. When did that start to change, being from just a cavalry uh, a infantry bugle call to being a piece of reflection or mourning? 
The first known use of the last post being performed at a funeral was in 1853 in Quebec at the, at the funeral of a soldier known only as Burns, who uh, fought in the 71st Regiment of the Highland Light Infantry. Uh, prior to that, it had not been used that way. And there was a uh, an interesting quote, at least I thought so. Uh, the Reverend W.B. Clark was on hand for that. He was a uh, Scottish minister with the uh, Free Church of Scotland. He had been posted to Quebec. He was not happy about being in Quebec. And he wrote, long letters back to the newspaper in his local town in Scotland and he wrote of this performance he said um, when the coffin was deposited in the grave the last post was played between every volley that was fired over it there is something touching and appropriate in this the last post is the call that is played at night after all the soldiers are supposed to be in their rooms and when the soldier is placed in his long home what music so appropriate as the last post But there is a day coming when tones of a trumpet more solemn will be heard and a reveille will be sounded which will not fail to rouse every sleeper. Uh, And I think this is sort of notable because uh, he would not have written this had the last post been previously played at funerals. So this was uh, this was the first time that we know that it happened. And then it didn't happen on British soil for almost 20 years. Uh, and But by the 1880s, it, it was quite common to play the last post at soldiers' funerals. And it wasn't until, to answer your original question, uh, around First World War, when lots of soldiers were dying, that it sort of crept into the, the consciousness of the public. Now, is this something that was still being played on battlefields to mark the end of the day? Did it take, have a dual meaning at the time? It was played on battlefields um, and sort of to mark the end of the day. It, it told soldiers on the batter, battlefields to follow the sound back home if they could. So as a, a piece of music that's played at the end of the day, it wouldn't be a somber tune it would just be an alert call was it played the way that we know it now back when it originated no not at all it was written in quick time and in fact if i mean you can you can work it out yourself 152 beats per minute uh the song is written lasts 38 seconds but in the playing now at, at memorial ceremonies and funerals where musicians will will hold notes longer and let rests last longer uh it can be stretched out for two two and a half minutes easily wow i, I mean it helps the song take on the gravity that we all know it having as well a- absolutely i mean that's that's where the uh the pathos is is put into the song in in the holding of the notes so when did it become the standard, do you think, for um, Remembrance Day ceremonies? Obviously, they played at, at funerals uh, starting in the late 1800s, um, but at some point after the end of the First World War, we see it take significance uh, and in the minds of the public consciousness uh, as one of the notable symbols of November 11th. When did that start happening? Uh, you've got me there. <laughs> All, all I know is that, that because of the ubiquity of its playing in, the, in World War I, that that's when it became a song of remembrance. And in fact, uh, in 1918, that's when they started performing it every night at the Menin Gate in Ypres, Belgium, um, which they've done every night except for the four years of the German occupation during the Second World War. They close the street down and, and play that on Bugle. Now, you talked to Charles Armstrong for your, your piece about The Last Post. Uh, he's played it, I assume, many, many times. Uh, what are his feelings about it? Other than he plays it for all soldiers, 
What else does he have to say about what it feels for him to play it? Well, something he said, uh, there are a couple of things he said that I found quite interesting. And one was, he said, when you listen to those, those two notes, he said, it takes listeners back in time, quote, to people who have gone before you, to remembrance days you've taken part in. You can feel the cold November breezes blowing. It all hits you when you hear the first two notes. That's all most people need to hear. And then you start that journey through your mind. And I thought how true that is when you listen to those first two notes. You can, I mean, for me, November 11th is always a gray, rainy day. And when I hear those two notes, no matter what time of year, it takes me to that gray day. Uh, Charles also said, because I asked him how he felt when he performs it, um, and he said, the feeling when you're standing there is much bigger than the event you're playing for at the time. In my mind, I'm calling them. I'm speaking to them, to all of them, the living and the dead, and telling them we still care, that we haven't forgotten them. Wow. Those are pretty, you know, they, they kind of sum that up for me in a lot of ways. Um, not having a great deal of military background in my family, it's um, through ceremonies, uh, going to them as a student and as I got, got a little older. But there is something about that piece of music that really strikes those chords. Do you think that the song takes on any greater significance this year because of the 100th year? 100th anniversary of uh, the end of the First World War? I don't know if it does. I, I would hope it does. I would hope that we pay more attention to these sorts of things. But um, I think in reality, as time passes, we tend to forget these things more and more. I mean, and that also is one of the reasons I wanted to write about this song, because I thought, who knows where it came from? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, Canadians probably heard more of it during the years that uh, we had troops on the ground in Afghanistan. And unfortunately, that that presence in the Middle East came with a very human toll and there were uh, dozens of Canadian lives lost. Um, Do you think that the fact that we don't have troops in any current combat situations, uh, Canadians may start to forget a little bit about that toll? we get complacent a little bit? Well, I hate to say it, Dave, but I think that's exactly what will happen. Um, you know, post 9-11, there, there were lots of, sadly, there were lots of remembrance ceremonies. And uh, now with fewer of them, that sort of thing goes to the backs of our minds. Yeah, it's, it's, it is one of those, it's a, it's a weird thing to talk about how um, complacent we can get in peacetime. Obviously, we, we wouldn't want to be having to put soldiers in harm's way, but it is uh, a reminder that there are thousands of Canadians who are lined up and in uniform ready to, to go out on that duty should, should the need arise and, and something that uh, we hope the Canadians don't forget. Um, where will you be spending Remembrance Day? Will you be attending a service? Um, I will probably be at the, uh, at the uh, Cenotaph downtown Ottawa, the National War Memorial. Yeah. And many Canadians will be watching that on TV, as I've done many times with my kids as well. Bruce, uh, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, David. Here's what else is happening. Concerns are being raised over scarcity of supplies after fire tore through the largest retail store in Nunavut's capital, Iqaluit. Ikalowitz mayor said the fire ripped through the back of the building and destroyed the warehouse, a furniture shop, and snowmobile shop. Other retailers have said they're able to provide the community with enough food for now. 
Perishable food is flown into the community year-round, but non-perishables and hard goods are brought in by sea. And Terry Lynn McClintock, one of two people convicted in the sex attack and killing of eight-year-old Tory Stafford, is heading back to prison. McClintock had been moved to a Saskatchewan healing lodge in October, which angered Stafford's family and created controversy for the Liberals in the House of Commons. After heated debate and criticism from the opposition, Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale ordered a review of the decision and the policy, and it was revealed on Thursday McClintock has been moved to the Edmonton Institute for Women. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and edited by Carrie Ann Sprawl. Technical support this episode from Nicole Ferienczek in Ottawa. Special thanks to our guest Bruce Deachman. And one listener's note, we'll return to your feed with a new episode after the long weekend on Wednesday. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>